I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hi, and welcome to another episode of Ask Andrew. And this is going to be, I promise, the last episode on the question of catechizing. I'm going to talk about the how of memory work. Now, um, you probably are aware that, that Josh Gibbs has published, that we have published a book at Searcy by Josh Gibbs. He wrote it. Um, and it's all about catechizing in school and home. And I can't recommend it highly enough. But let me finish my thoughts on, and maybe I even agree with, or maybe he even agrees with some of what I'm saying. He's always right if there's disagreement. Um, but I, I mentioned two last. Um, principles of, or not principles, but actions that you should incorporate into your memory work with your children. I want to talk about those now and then kind of summarize the whole catechizing idea. Um, the, the first practical point I made is that there's 10 universal principles. The second is that there are kinds of learning. And we talked about those last week as there's we, we, you could say there's skills, concepts, facts, and, and forms or patterns, and then those express themselves in various subjects. We talked a little bit about history. We talked, I think, a little bit about Latin, right? And then we talked about reading and even some math. Um, in this session, I want to talk about two practices that I so strongly recommend, and they are brief recitations and finally bring the whole child into it. Now, when I speak of brief recitations, okay, what are they memorizing? Whatever it is, remember, do you remember that I, I talked about how there's three different kinds of uh, memory work? There's memorizing, there's remembering, and there's recalling. When it comes to a recitation of memory work, the, something you might do at the beginning of a class or really at any point, sometimes even by surprise, if it's memorizing, which really that's what you do with words, you should simply get them to repeat it in a group setting, sometimes alone in various ways, in a way that is brief, high energy, and, sh and well, brief, so therefore short, but high energy. Bring in the, in the FID factor. Remember, frequency, intensity, and duration. Short duration, varying intensity, and frequent. Begin, I would suggest, as much as possible, begin every single session, subject session, class session, whatever you want to call it, with a short recitation. Three minutes, let's say. If it's math class, do a speed drill. I don't know why people hate speed drills so much. Teachers, and I get why kids do, but I don't know why teachers hate them so much. Speed drills are precious time spent in math. If it's, a, if it's a literature class, spend the first three minutes listing authors or naming texts or better, reciting a passage, reciting a poem. If it's Bible, start with a Bible passage. If it's, if it's history, start with the chant about the periods of history, the names of great people from an era. 
events, if you like, uh, names. Sure, why not? Dates, absolutely. Do map work. Um, start with a three-minute focusing, attention-driving, high-energy recitation of some kind of memory work. And then, okay, that's, that's words, right? Then, having done that, when it's fitting, transition into a discussion about what they've just said, which is to say, now go from the words to the things or the ideas. If I just had them chant, uh, let's say I had them chant the seven kings of Rome, all right? Now I'm going to say to them, okay, one of you, tell me, tell me something about Tarquinius Superbus. And then one of the students might narrate to me. And then I might ask the kids, who do you think was a better ruler, Tarquinius Superbus or Ancus Marcius? And then you ask why. Now, that is a great, great discussion to have to make the knowledge, shall we say, relevant, because everybody cares about who good rulers are. So discuss things, and you can do that in every class. And I recommend short discussions like that in order to lead into whatever new lesson you're about to start. Part of the mimetic sequence, if you're familiar with that. Next, recall events. Recall events, including those within the head, by which I mean things they've thought about. But you can recall historical events. You can, record, you can recall a time when the class wrestled together to figure something out in math class or science class. You can recall an experiment that, that got everybody stuck, but you pressed on and through it. Recall events. Recall historical events. But recall, bring those things back to the refresh, the, to refreshed in the mind. But mostly, review things memorized so that you're preparing for the session. Okay, now, you know, I'm talking about discussing things and I'm talking about recalling things. Um, not every time. What I recommend every time is a brief recital of things they're memorizing. And then a discussion or a recollection can drive that into the new thing that you're teaching. But I cannot recommend highly enough that you begin each or most sessions that are going to engage thought at all with this brief review of things that they've already learned. Okay, that's the third uh, practical tool I'm suggesting for memory. The fourth, then, is bring the whole child into it. Now, when I talk about the whole child, I'm not trying to, uh, you know, be all because usually what 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 we mean by bring the whole child into it nowadays is there's this there's this sense that usually we just bring the child's mind into it, and now we should bring his emotions and his and his body into it. I agree, I agree with that. Um, I don't want to displace the mind though, and too often, too often that bring the whole child in does displace the mind. But but keep this in mind too. Speaking of mind, the child also is a spiritual being, and I would strongly urge you to incorporate some form of worship and wonder and adoration into your class sessions when it's appropriate. I know that it's illegal to teach the whole child in our, in our state school system, but do the best you can. You can at least incorporate a sense of wonder and the sense that there's something bigger and, and more um, reverential or worthy of reverence, something more sublime than ourselves. Worship does not hurt. <laughs> um, and then, with that context, let the reverence flow down into the rest of your teaching, including reverence for the human body. Bring the child's eyes into it. Use maps for history. Use maps for fun. Good grief. They're just fun things to use. 
some kids still even know what a map is, although GPS has kind of done away with it. Or, or maybe they know what maps are more, but differently. Um, get them, put maps on the wall and, and direct them around maps. Get them to remember places. Use the ears. Use the sonic rhythms, right? Remember we talked about order. Well, what are we talking about with order? We're talking about form. We're talking about patterning, right? That's what order is. So give them rhythm, physical order. Even dance. Have meaningful interpretive dances can be extremely helpful to remember things. Bring in music, certainly, and most of you already do that. Um, pattern, pattern, pattern. Form, form, form. And especially if they generate their own pattern, their own rhythm, their own form in relation to something that they're learning. You know, if you've made up a chant, that's good. If they make up a chant, it won't be as good as yours probably, but it'll be more valuable. It will be incredibly valuable. And, and if you give them a chant, then let them vary it. Let them, you know, if they, it'll happen spontaneously if they, if they have one of those one or two musical kids. Let them do that. That's them personalizing it and bringing it home. And that's respecting the child's imagination and his body um, by bringing in the eyes and the ears and so on. Now, Josh wrote a funny thing about smell. I don't, I don't think you want to waste too much time on smell, but if you, you know, get associations with smell, I don't suppose it hurts totally, but I wouldn't waste any time really thinking about that. I'm going to get in trouble for that one, aren't I? But anyway, sight and sound which brings us to astronomy and music. But anyway, here we go. Next comes the soul. Understanding and memory are symbiotically related. What I mean by that is simple. Things you understand are easier to remember. Things you remember are easier to understand. We don't understand anything perfectly, but we can understand things better when we remember them. And then what happens is we remember it better because we understand it, which then lets us understand it better because we remember it. And that's attentiveness. That's, that is contemplation. So understanding and meaning are symbolically, symbiotically related. We remember meaningful things when they are in meaningful relationships much more easily than arbitrary facts floating around. Therefore, don't hold back from beautiful passages from beautiful verses, from beautiful poems, well, even from simply dramatic literature, history, speeches, prayers, anything like that that you can that you can give the child that sort of links a whole bunch of facts together. The Gettysburg Address, for example, really is a magnificent speech. And if you if you made that sort of the the whole focus of weeks of discussion. On a, in, a, in a class, a high school class on the second half, let's say, of American history, you wouldn't hurt these kids. They would, all of American history would be much more interesting because they'd keep coming back to this profound, perhaps controversial speech that Abraham Lincoln gave. Get into some Frederick Douglass speeches. Get into, you know, memorize of course, the greatest elocutionarist of the 21st century must be George W. Bush. So memorize, okay, forget that. But anyway, he said some great things, as did President Obama, as has every president we've ever had, and preachers and, and storytellers. Memorize passages. 
I would even go so far as to suggest that almost any book you read, you should memorize something, some paragraph out of it, just so the kids always have some link to it. And if it's a really good paragraph, then it'll contain a lot of the book in it and help them think about it because memory and understanding are symbiotically related. Next, social interaction is so helpful. Now, this is where a, a big part of the, the emphasis on play comes in. I believe in play. I believe it's an act of sovereignty. Um, card games. I learned a lot about literature through the, the, well, at least about authors and titles through card games, matching games, basically, when I was a kid, or kind of a go fish game. Um, there'd be four titles by all these different authors, and you tried to match the four. Well, I learned about four plays by Shakespeare, which was fairly easy because you learned about them at school. But I also learned about Washington Irving, and I learned about um, Sir Walter Scott, and I learned about Jane Austen, and I learned about all these authors that, by the way, later on, when I saw a book by them, I wasn't scared off by the name because I'd heard of it. In fact, because I'd heard of it in a game that was about great authors, that made me think, huh, there must be something in that book worth reading. Just a silly little card game. Aristoplay has a lot of games like this. They have mythology games and things. Now, do not exaggerate the value of educational games. They, they tend to be forced. Um, they have value, just don't exaggerate. Don't hope for too much. They're not going to replace you as a teacher. Contests I love. Man, I, I used to do uh, math contests with my buddy Wayne as a kid, and Greg would, would uh, this is on the front porch, um, just a contest. It was because we were competitive, and Greg would give a problem, and, and we'd have to multiply it, and it was frustrating because Wayne was a bit older than me, and sometimes he'd beat me, and that really bothered me. Well, so we want to so we want to play games, and we want to have contests, and we want to do things, but again, don't expect too much from educational products. Don't expect too much from games, partly because games serve a different function for kids. Now, believe it or not, I'm basically done. Honor the whole child, body, soul, and spirit. That means his relation to God, his relation to the world, his relation to himself, his relation to his society, and all the elements of his being should be brought into learning. Incorporate a lot of brief recitations, a lot of them. Recognize the different kinds of memory work, concepts, facts, skills, and forms, each of which has to be taught in somewhat of a different way. Although if it's words that you're memorizing, just memorize the words through, through those 10 commandments that I gave you. Remember, the words are the conventions that enable us to think about and remember concepts, facts, skills, and forms or patterns. And I said there were 10 principles and practices, universal principles the three kinds of memory, that we memorize words, we remember things and people, but we recall events. Attention sustained is always the key to memory. That was number two. Number three, the FID factor, frequency, intensity, and duration. Number four, you have to repeat yourself. That's why I am right now. Number five, associations, links. Associations create strong bonds. So find ways to link things together, and the more absurd, the better, frankly. 
Number six, simplification and order. Simplify, simplify, simplify. Narration. Let children express concepts and things, especially in their own words. Do group work. Review a lot, but with longer and longer gaps between. And be vivid and clear right up front. If you have things that are going to be obscure and difficult, hold them off. Now, those, I hope, are practical tools that you can use if you're teaching others to memorize or if you're memorizing yourself. But remember this. It all comes back to catechism. Should we worry about over-catechizing children? Well, yeah, we can over-catechize children. We can overdo anything. But if there's something that's important, whether that be a fact or an idea or a skill, and it's going to involve the mind or a form even, if it's going to involve the mind, make it stay. Come up with ways to make it stay in the mind. And that means memorize. So, yes, you can overcatechize your children. But if you do it right, and look, you're going you're gonna to make mistakes. So what? Create a context in which mistakes are forgivable. <laughs> in other words, have a general, here, here, do these four things, and you'll create a context in which mistakes are not a big deal. One, catechize with joy. Catechize with joy. Supposedly, we remember 31% more of what we're learning, and we learn 31% faster when we're happy. It's not helpful for those around you when you get hurt and become depressed. Or even when you do something wrong and feel so guilty that you become depressed. Doesn't help. Just forgive yourself as God forgives you. And smile at your children because that smile has almost literally a magnetic power. Your smile, but even more than your smile, your respect are what your students want and your children want. You give them that respect, they're going to learn better because they'll be happier. So catechize with joy. Second, catechize with patience and with peace. Third. Catechize with hope, because a lot of this stuff doesn't pay off for a long time, and with faith, because we believe that there's power in it. And fourth, catechize with love. Love your student, love your child, love the truths contained in what you're teaching them, even if you don't like the names, even if you don't like the way somebody expresses it, even if you don't like a particular novel or poem but somebody else told you it's good, and so you had your kids memorize it, love the thing if you don't like the convention. In other words, love the truth that story tells. And maybe even improve on it if you can. But above all, love truth itself. Love truth himself. And catechize with love. Memorize words, names, patterns. Recall events. Remember things and especially remember people. And I bet you know what comes next. Thank you.
may the Lord remember you in his kingdom as you catechize your children to remember the truth and feed on the good and the beautiful. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.